Hey, how's it going? This is Evan Jackson, video production director of New Life Church. Thank you so much for joining us for our podcast today. It's our goal to help you grow in your faith and discover all that God has for you. I hope you're encouraged, challenged, and inspired today. Enjoy the message. This is the greatest month of generosity ever. I'm just telling you, it is. Greatest month of generosity ever. And I'm excited about this, this uh, particular sermon because sometimes we, we, we get to the place where we're thinking, and we kind of talked about it last week a little bit, that generosity is very one-dimensional. Very one-dimensional. It has to do with my, my wallet. But uh, what we're going to see today is that's not the case at all. Generosity has, is multifaceted. Okay? So today's message is entitled this. More valuable than money. What's more valuable than money? I want you to think about that for a second and just ponder it. What is more valuable than money? The big idea, the parable of the Good Samaritan shows the importance of being generous with our service to others. It's been said, time is money. But I believe time is more valuable than money. You can always get more money. Your time, not so much. Right? Once it's gone, it's gone. It's a, it's a finite thing. You, you can't go back. You can't. It's, it's once you give it, it's gone. Your time is valuable. Far more valuable than money. Think of it this way. Simon Sinek, in his book, Leaders Eat Last, poses a thought experiment on the value of time and money. Ready? And I want you to think about it. I want you to kind of close in on this concept. Let's say you're moving to a new house. To help you out, one of your friends pays for a moving company, a very generous offer worth $5,000. Another friend comes to your house helps you pack the boxes, loads the truck, travels with you to your new house, unloads and unpacks the boxes. Okay, those are the two friends. Two weeks later, both friends need a favor from you on the same day. Which would you feel more inclined to help? The one who wrote the check or the one who committed time and energy. I can't answer that question for you. But you can see the struggle there, right? There's a, that whole point is that there's a struggle. 5,000, you think that'd be a no-brainer. Five grand? That's a, that's, a, that's a very generous gift. But the fact that you have to go, hmm, I don't know. Who would I help that day? The guy who spent all of his time, energy, and, and relational equity? Or the person who just wrote a check for 5000 Now, if the guy who wrote the check for 5000 can write a check for 5000 typically he has 5000 to write. It's just an interesting thought. I don't want to, like, answer the question for you, but it's an interesting thought experiment. In our economically driven society, it's easier to describe the power of generosity in monetary language. But one thing in life that we can be generous with beyond money is time. Time. Time is precious. To be generous with our time can be one of the greatest displays 
of generosity in the world. Lord, I ask you to be with us as we move into this uh, parable of the Good Samaritan. Lord, help us to see ourselves in one of these characters and help us to understand that generosity is, flows from your heart and then when we have the heart of Christ, it should flow from ours. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter, Luke chapter 10. This is a well-known story in the New Testament, and it shows the power of generosity. The parable of the Good Samaritan shows the power of serving others, especially those who are different from us. Jesus describes the story in Luke chapter, 11, uh, chapter 10, verse 30. starts there. Here we go. Now Jesus took up the question and said this, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him, beat him up, and fled, leaving him half dead. He's only mostly dead. There's a big difference between mostly dead and all dead. <laughs> I'm not even going to reference the name. You guys know what I'm talking about. A priest... Oh, here we go. Here's the chance. Ready? The priest happened to be going down the road. When he saw him, he, oh, he passed by on the other side. Hmm. In the same way, oh, here we go. In the same way, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, he saw him and, oh, huh, interesting. He Pass by on the other side. We got, a Le- uh, we got a priest and a Levite. It sounds like the beginning of a really cheesy joke. You'd think they'd be walking into a bar about now, but, but they pass by on the other side. Verse 33. But a Samaritan. Stop. A Samaritan. If you've been in this church for any period of time, you know that we talked about the, the Samaritan issue. Okay, the Samaritan issue was that the Jews did not believe that the Samaritans were worthy of being included into the family of God. They were not welcomed in Jerusalem. They were not welcomed in the temple. They were half-breeds. They were polluted, is basically what the Jewish mind said. They were polluted. And people would go to great lengths to travel from the south of Israel to the north of Israel without having to pass through Samaria. Now, Samaria is on the main thoroughfare between the two points, but they would go around for miles just so that they wouldn't taint themselves with the pollution of the Samaritans. That's who they were. They hated each other. I'm not even just, they just despised each other. Jesus didn't do that. In his ministry, he took the, 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 the main road, and he always went past, he went through Jerusalem. In fact, there is a very good argument to say that the very first church ever created was in Samaria. 
when Jesus came through Samaria, a bunch of people responded to the message of the kingdom, and then he left, and those people hung on to it. And then after the resurrection of Christ, when the persecution started, they, uh, Philip went to Samaria, and boom, right like that, there was a major church. It, it, Jerusalem, maybe by a few, maybe a year or something like that, but Samaria, definitely very early on. Um, these half-breeds, these polluted people. Okay? That's what it means. So we have a, a priest. What, is that, what, is that, what does that say to you? Very clean. Not polluted at all. Very clean. I mean, he has to be. You can't even go into the temple unless you've ritualistically cleansed yourself. A Levite, ooh, very clean. Levites were ordained by God to work in the temple. And I think it's interesting because priests could be anybody, but a Levite had to be genetically connected to the Levitical tribe. As much as the Samaritan was a half-breed and an outcast, the Levite was one of the elect workers. See what I'm saying? There's a contract. That's why Jesus didn't choose these people at random. This is his story. This didn't really happen, by the way. This is a parable. This is a story that Jesus is telling for us to get a clue. So he chooses these people. So we have the priest, passes by on the other side. Levite, clean of, clean of the clean, cream of the crop, passed by. Samaritan, ew. All right, here we go. But a Samaritan on his journey came to him, and when he saw the man, he had compassion. He went over to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on olive oil and wine. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, it's a big deal, he took out two denarii. Two denarii. Did anyone remember how much that worth? A denarii is worth one day's wages. Two days' wages. He took out two denarii, and he gave it to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. When I come back, I will reimburse you for whatever extra you spend. Interesting. Now, why did Jesus tell this story? Well, interestingly enough, this story is in answer to a question. Jesus asked this man, uh, man a question. He said, what are the, what's the greatest commandment? And the man said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, you are correct, sir. You are correct. Do that, and you're going to be good. And the man said, but wait, hold on a second. Who is my neighbor? And instead of saying, that guy over there, or all these people here, he said, let me tell you a story. He said, your neighbor is anybody you come into contact with. Whether they be holy, clean, or outcast. You have a responsibility to people. You're not just generous to the people that you like. Now, this is a tough one. This is a tough one. We're not just generous to the people that we like or the people that you know, our, our own age, 
You know, I, I don't get those millennials. And the millennials are going, I don't get those old people. No, 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 no. We're generous to people. So the Levite and the, and the, and the, um, the priest, why didn't they stop? Why didn't they stop? I mean, he's mostly dead. Why didn't they stop? Tell you why. Time. Time. Now, what do you mean by that, Pastor? Did they have a, you know, they were late for a very important date? Maybe, but there's more to it. See, in the Jewish law, if you were to touch a person who has open wounds, you become ceremonially unclean. And you can't do the job that you were meant to do in the temple. You see what I'm saying? In, in fact, in order to do the job that you would have to do in the temple, you'd have to go through a, a ceremonial cleansing, and that takes, depending on what was coming out of the guy. <laughs> we won't get into the grossness of it. But depending on what it was, it could take up to a week to be ceremonial clean. You had to burn your clothes. So to work, to work, to, to work in the temple, you had to be, and it could, you could be as much as a day or up to a week, depending on it. They didn't want to bother themselves with all the time and the work that would have gone into not just helping the man, but they wouldn't be able to do the holy service of God that they've been looking forward to doing. And Jesus is saying, you just walked past the holy service to God. It's interesting, isn't it? It's interesting. I love this story. The Samaritan, he took the time. Now, he was, he was going somewhere. Many people say that uh, the idea that he had olive oil and wine on him was that he was the reason he had, why would you travel with these things? These were part of his livelihood. He was going to sell them. Instead, he uses them to minister to this man. He took the time. He took the effort. So what did it cost him? He bandaged the man. How many people walk around with bandages in your? No. He probably used his own cloak or robe to do that. He took him to a place of rest. He wasn't planning on going there. He spent time, he spent the whole day with him, ministering to him. And he provided for his future need. Monetarily. Theologian Walter Leefield described the power of the Good Samaritan story. He says, love is demonstrated in action. In this case, in an act of mercy. It may be costly. Mercy may be costly. Clothes, wine, oil, transportation, money, and the sacrifice of time. 
Think of someone who took time to invest in you. Just take a second. Look, look back. Maybe it's a, a mentor who took time to teach you something out of their lives. Maybe it's a parent who, who went the extra mile to, to minister to you when you were not feeling emotionally well. Maybe it was somebody else. I don't know. Just take two seconds and think of that person. The time that they invested in you, they will never get back. It's the greatest investment we have. That's why I'm so concerned about um, our materialistic impulse to give our kids stuff instead of us. And what do we do? Why, why do we do that? Because we're, we're jerks? No. We don't like our kids? No. It's because that's what they tell us they want. But they don't actually need that. They need our time investment. I did the, I stumbled, I just, I'm going to stumble onto it, okay? I'm not going to say, this is not me like, <laughs> I am the greatest parent ever. I stumbled onto a, a thing a few years ago. I couldn't think of what to give my kids because they kind of have just about anything they want. I mean, there's some things we don't give them, but they, they don't need anything. They're, they're, they're not in want, let's put it that way. So what I did is I, I, I went through the time to make each and every one of them for Christmas and put it in their stocking, a coupon book. Like, Pastor, you are so cheap. You gave him a coupon book for Christmas? No, wait, hold on, hold on. And it was 12 coupons, one for every month of the year, where they could redeem that coupon for a date with Dad. And it was, one of them was like, uh, my, my daughter, she's like me. She just loves food. Like all kinds of food. She's just like, she's a, she's a connoisseur. So uh, every month was a, uh, a different cuisine at a restaurant. My son was more like movie night or, you know, bowling. or you know, just, just personalized for, for them. My, do- my youngest daughter was really too young, so we just, you know, watching Disney Plus or something like that on TV. You know, we're just spending, just spending time with them. And man, it was crazy. When the month would come up, rip that coupon. Dad, when are we, let's schedule the date. Let's schedule the date. Now, I, I don't know. Maybe God helped me with that. I don't know. But it stumbled. It wasn't like, I didn't read it somewhere. It was like, all right. I'm gonna, it was just something we did. But I realized through the year, man, this is important to them. Right, remember, remember early morning rides? Early morning ride. I don't know why, but I'm thinking about my dad a lot lately. I don't know. It's a, like I said earlier, the change of the seasons and stuff like that. I'm not sure. But I've been thinking a lot about my dad lately. And one of the things he used to do is it was so elaborate and so financially extravagant. Right, right? No. He'd wake us up out of a dead sleep and say, get in the car. He started it with Ryan, and then I was like, I want to go. Oh, fine. Put the Dave in the car, too. Uh, but 
he would just, we would just drive. And the cool thing was that he would like pretend that we didn't, he didn't know where we were. But I learned my dad always knew where he was. Always knew where he was. But I didn't know that until later. We all, oh, we're lost. How are we going to get home? And it always happened that we would just, right around halfway through the ride, we would stumble out on this diner. I didn't know where, where this diner come from. Perfect. You know, and then we'd have breakfast. And then it would start getting light and we'd drive home. Usually I was asleep in the back seat because I just wanted to be included. I didn't care if I was actually awake. Um, but Ryan and my dad would have this, talk, would just talk. Didn't co- it cost the, the, the cost of breakfast and a little gas. It's a little more today than it was back then. But, see what I'm saying? Christian Weatherall wrote a wonderful article for the Gospel Coalition entitled, Four Creative Ways to Be Generous. And I want to read some portions to you. Perhaps like me, she says, you wonder if it's possible to be generous when finances are tight. We've wrestled with this question since it can feel like my family doesn't have a lot of wiggle room for spontaneous spontaneous financial gifts. The Lord has humbled me with a simple reminder. Generosity comes in many shapes and sizes. Remember what we talked about last week? And she, she reiterates it right here. Generosity is the overflow of a humble heart. An attitude, not a one-size-fits-all act. Remember 2 Colossians, uh, excuse me, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says this. God is able to make all things abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. And they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your conf- uh, confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. So knowing God's grace fuels our generosity and makes us sufficient in all things and at all times. You can be generous in all things at all times. You can be generous when the finances are flat. You can be generous when the finances are high. And the generosity that you give at those times may look differently. But we're never given an excuse to not be generous. So what are the all things and at all times our giving might apply to? Number one, invest your time. Talking about time. Invest your time. Time is limited, is a limited commodity and therefore has intrinsic value. Any use of time during the earthly day is an investment. And what we invest in reveals what's important to us. When we invest our time, we show our hand. When we invest our time, we we really show what's valuable to us. I'm telling you. There's, there's, a, there's a higher value, and it shows, it's a mirror of your heart and soul when you invest your time even more than when you invest your money. I'm telling you, it's a lot easier to throw money at something than it is to give your time to something, right? Time. When you give your time to others, you invest 
in their eternal good and practice generosity in a significant hands-on way. So how can we do that? Here's an idea. Listen well to hurting friends and point them to the word. There's this new way of saying this. It's called active listening. Somebody said that to me the other day. I'm like, I, you're going to have to explain active listening to me. The idea is this. When you listen, listen. That's all it is. It's a fancy way of saying, we, you know, so often we listen, we're hearing the person, but while they're talking, we're, we're, we're preparing what we're going to say back. You know what I'm saying? You're, you're actually, you're not actually listening. You're, you're preparing your, your rebuttal or your comment. And, and with someone like me, it has to be pithy. So I'm like, oh, how, can I make, how can I make a joke? Or, or something like that. You know what I'm saying? We're always like trying to put our best. No, active listening is doing exactly that. When you listen, listen. Just listen to them. Hear what they're saying. And then don't worry about how clever you are because God's got enough clever for all of us. Put them in contact with the word. How about this? Commit to, small group, to a small group each week and contribute to the conversation and prayer. Like get involved in your, get involved in a small group and then get involved in that small group. Talk or actively listen. Pray. Another one, interact with unbelievers and at the park and invite them to church. How much money does that cost? Nothing. Some of you, 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 you parents of young children, you got such a mission field. I, oh, I'm going to go on a rant again. The kids were at the park the other day. I'm, I'm, I swear, the kids were going nuts on the playground. And every parent was on their phone. Every parent was on their phone. I mean, necks could have been broken. They wouldn't have known. Oh, it was hilarious. One time we were at the park, and uh, <laughs> there was like a bottleneck at the top of the slide, right? And I could just, I, I am very spatially aware, almost to a fault, like, uh, we'll be walking through the grocery store, and my beautiful wife is not as spatially aware as I am. And she will, like, walk right in front of somebody pushing the cart and make them stop. I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, why, do you, why do you care? <laughs> because. Well, I could see this happening a mile away. This kid was on the top of this slide, right? And I could just see it. And he goes off the top. He goes off the top. And here I am, like, on the bench, and I'm doing like a Superman dive. And he hits the ground, and I grabbed his head. And he was, he was hurt. I mean, he, but he, yeah, I don't know if he broke anything in the lower part of his body, but his head at least was, was, was his mom was like watching a soccer game, like way over there. I couldn't find her. Kids crying. Why did it, what's that? Oh, yes. Mission field, parents with young children. There you go. That's where it was. I just went on a rant. Sorry about that. Um, if you're at a, uh, you know, when the parents are sitting around, 
engage with somebody. Talk to them. You don't have to preach at them. Just let them know who you are, and, and it'll come around. It'll come around. Invest your time. Generosity means investing your time, which glorifies God in his gospel. Number two, leverage your work. Leverage your work. Most people spend the majority of their lives working. And everybody said, oh. Whether in the home, in an office, or with a trade. We have a huge opportunity then to practice generosity in how we spend our working hours and steward our skill set. Here's some ideas. When you're diligently, diligent with your schedule and you maximize your effectiveness as a result, you're being generous to your employer. When, when you shine at your work, who shines through? Christ shines through. When we're diligent, when we do our jobs, when, we're not, when we, we, we bring a good testimony of the Lord. When you train someone in your realm of ex, ex, uh, expertise with cheerful spirit, not begrudgingly, or uh, you're exercising generosity. When you labor to raise up the next generation, whether kids, students, or uh, successors, or when you share your skill set with others, you bring a spirit of generosity. Generosity means leveraging your work, which glorifies God and his gospel. We spend a lot of time at the places of our work. Don't, don't check out. Keep your eyes peeled. We'll talk about that in a second. Number three, extend your service. Practical help through acts of service meets the needs of struggling people. Rather than saying to someone, let me know how I can help you. No, actually, just go help. Just do something. Well, I don't want to, you know, do something. We let our, do you realize that we let ourselves off the hook a lot with excuses? Well, I don't know how to help you. I don't care. Figure it out. Do something. Right? Usually un- overwhelmed or hurting people don't know how you can help them and won't make requests of you. So you can practice generosity by simply doing something to ease their burden. Set up a meal service, a meal train or something like that. Work with your small group to say, hey, let's, let's do something here. Let's help this person. Let's, let's get them food for the next week. Help an overwhelmed family by cleaning their house or running errands. Okay? Um, somebody's struggling financially, right? You know, you could give that man a fish or you could teach that man to fish. What do I mean by that? The best thing you possibly probably could do is if you're good with money management is go Spend time with them, looking over, the, helping them to manage their money well. Invest, that's, a lot, that's a long-term investment rather than a short-term check. Right. Okay? And pray for various needs within, the, and out, uh, within and outside of your church. Generosity means extending your service, which glorifies God and his gospel. Lastly, number four, share your possessions. How many people would be honest and say they have too much stuff? We, we, are, we have a lot of stuff. What do we have, let me ask this question, what do we have that didn't, we didn't receive from God? 1 Corinthians 4, 7. He owns everything we possess from our stuff to our very lives. 
every man, uh, we're managers of what he entrusts to us. And we will bless others when we cheerfully share our possessions with them. That was something that marked the very first church in Jerusalem. That, that was one of the major things that this nebulous new thing. That's why I say Samaritan might have been actually the first church. Because in Jerusalem, it was just kind of, we didn't really know what they were doing. They were just kind of existing. And they were sharing their stuff. It wasn't until it moved out of Jerusalem that it kind of got a little bit more organized. But the idea that they, I mean, the, the apostles were like, I don't know, we got all this stuff. People are just bringing us stuff. And we don't, we don't have the manpower. I can't be, Peter's like, I can't be spending my, my day giving out the stuff. I got to be reading the word and, and preaching and, 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 and visiting people. I can't. So they, they appointed deacons. Deacons are people who are meant to handle the stuff so that the pastor doesn't have to. They're supposed to handle the stuff. So they appointed deacons, and they dealt with the, the, uh, distributing the monies to, um, to, to properties and all this stuff. So being generous with the things that people owned was a mark of the very early church. So share your home. Open your doors to friends and strangers, adults and children, believers and unbelievers. That's another thing that was a big part of the early church is that they opened, they met from house to house. You know, we get in this rut where we think everything has to happen in the church building. Now, I know in a post-COVID world, people are still a little bit freaked out about having, you know, people in their houses. But we've got we to get over that, first off. Secondly, that's a, that's a major point of relational equity is when you open up your home. Okay? Share your car. Give someone a ride who needs it. Or if, if you're able, loan them a car for, for a short time. Well, it's my car. It's not your car. It's God's car. Everything, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. You don't own that thing. You're just a steward of it. Share your food. Invite people for meals. Give them a break and nourish them. Okay? Guys, bring your best pecan pie to football night. I will... Amend my diet around that for that one night. I don't know. It's just something amazing that happens. I don't know. Around the table. When you're sharing food and enjoying God's blessings with somebody else, conversation happens. Uh, joy is it's this amazing thing. So share your things. Generosity means sharing your possessions, which glorifies God and his gospel. God is able to make all grace abound to us. So they're having all sufficiency in all things at all times. That's a lot of alls. We may abound in every good work. See, God wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing. I mean, we're going to talk about it later on in the series, but there's some principles in God's word about how God pours through generous people and, does, and cannot with people who are not generous. God makes you abound so that you can be a blessing. We're free to be generous because he has provided and will provide all we need. 
in this freedom, our generosity, generosity takes on many forms as we contribute to the needs he has sovereignly placed around us. That's a very important part. The, 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 um, the needs you see are not a mistake. God, your job that you're in, you're in for a reason. And it, it has less to do with getting the widgets made that you have to make on a daily basis. It has everything to do with influencing the world, or your workplace, for the kingdom of God. That's why you're there. Yes, you need to pump out the widgets or whatever it is you produce or, or do in your day. I get that. But above and beyond that, you are supposed to be a shining light. You're supposed to be an a ambassador for the kingdom of God. Your job is much more important than your job. You're not there by accident. And here's where I want to come down on the end of this, right? The trick to all this, because you can't be generous unless you see the opportunities to be generous. The trick to all of this is to keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes open. Take off the blinders. You know what I mean by that? I'm not talking about one of those things you wear when you go to sleep on an airplane. I'm talking about, you know, when, when they used to have horses, horse and carriage, they would put blinders on the horse so that it could only see the direction in which it was going. It couldn't see to the right. It, it blocked its peripheral vision to keep it less distracted. So what am I saying? Get a little distracted. Take the blinders off. Have a good peripheral vision for the needs that are around you. Check your side view mirrors every once in a while, right? Opportunities to serve are closer than they appear. I always wonder why the right, maybe somebody could tell me after service, why the right mirror has that and the left one doesn't. Uh, somebody, somebody knows this answer to this trivia question, and I'm going to, like, five people are going to run up there. I know. It's always in the right one. Never, you know, vehicles are closer than they appear. Like, doesn't anybody care about my side of the car? But I'm telling you, if we start looking around, you will see them. I think one of the problems in our individualistic um, culture, where it's all about me, is that. We're so focused on what we got to get done on the day that we got to get it done. We're so focused on our own goals. You know, we set goals. We, 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 we move in our lane and we try to get those goals done that we, we forget that life is more than just what we want or what we're doing. Community is very important. We've got to look to the left and the right. We gotta, if, if we want to apply the greatest month of generosity ever, You can't wear blinders. You have to look around. You will see need and opportunity to meet that need if your eyes are open. So, may our hearts overflow with humble, creative generosity because God in Christ has first been generous to us. Would you stand? We will close in prayer. God, I pray that this would be 
a great month of generosity. That it would be not just now an end when December starts, but it would be the catalyst to help us to understand that generosity is not a suggestion of your word. It's not an idea that we can take or leave. You've called every one of your sons and daughters to be generous as you were generous. Lord, it's interesting that when you ministered in this world as the Son of God, you didn't have a lot of money, but nobody could say that you weren't generous. So God, I pray that we would embody that reality, that our lives would be lives of generosity and creativity, that we would take the blinders off, that we would check the side view mirrors, that we would look around and see the needs that are around us and figure out creative ways in which we can show our love for you by loving people around us. Lord, open our eyes this week to the value of our time as we give it away. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. If you want to find out more about New Life Church, you can connect with us at discovernewlife.org. We hope to see you soon.